0: It's time for Career Stories with Launch. I'm your host, James Enzer. Each month I interview Cone Health leaders across the system to learn about the career paths they have taken. Whether you are just starting your career or are a number of years into your career, we can all learn from someone else's story. Career Stories with Launch is all about sharing, learning, and growing together. Let's get started. Hello, and welcome to Career Stories with Launch. Our guest today is BJ Sente. BJ is the Executive Director of Radiation Oncology and Chief Physicist here at Cone Health. Thank you for joining us today, BJ. Can you start by telling us a little bit about your role?
1: Yeah, I um, oversee all of the radiation oncology operations for Cone Health, and um, I also serve as the Chief Physicist and oversee the quality and safety of radiation treatments.
0: And how long have you been doing that?
1: About ten years. I've been in my current role for um, about six months now. Okay.
0: So, what brought you to Cone Health?
1: Well, um, I prior to here, I was in Detroit, and um, a physicist friend reached out to the the former chief physicist here and said, "Hey, you ought to try to recruit BJ to come back to North Carolina because he's from the area." And um, his name is Dr. Friesen. He called me on a day when it took me. Uh, maybe three hours to get to work because of the snow oh my goodness (laughs) it was just um, it was a crazy winter and he said hey would you like to come back to North Carolina I happened to be traveling back um, within a couple of weeks to give a talk at Chapel Hill and so I stopped in and yeah I said yeah I'll come and and talk to you all and um, when I came here I met with the leaders and the physicians in the group and they were amazing and they had this vision of really transforming the department and the the level of care Mm -hmm. that we gave here. And they really wanted to do something innovative and where there really hadn't been a lot of that before. And that was really exciting to me. Um, so I just jumped in with both feet.
0: So it kind of just, it worked out and, um, things fell into place for you. So it was where you meant to be.
1: Yeah, absolutely. When, when I got here, um, it was, it was just, it was a lot of fun. It was, it was like drinking from a fire hose and, <laughs> and the group wanted to do so many things right away, um, which, um, which was a lot of fun. And so we just haven't looked back. And I think if, if we were to reflect on the last 10 years, it's still probably surprising all the things that we got into. Mm-hmm.
0: So with all of that change and all of that excitement, would you say any two days are the same or is everything always constantly changing and different?
1: Yeah, everything's always different. I think that's the exciting thing about healthcare in general is Mm -hmm. um, you have to have a mind for change and hear things change rapidly. I mean, I was actually really proud of my team. I went away on vacation for a week um, a couple of years ago, and I came back, and they had planned a whole symposium (laughs) and, like, scheduled a date and Uh lined up all these speakers, and I was, like, really proud that they did that, but it just shows you the the pace of change is Um, even in a week, you miss a lot.
0: That's got to be a good feeling, though, to to come back to that. So, let's uh, rewind about 10 years or so. What was your first position here at Cone?
1: Well, I came in as a uh, clinical physicist, and um, what that does for people that don't know is you um, review treatment plans for radiation for cancer patients, and um, you make sure that they're acceptable, and you look at charts for patients that are being treated, and and kind of just make sure sure that we're delivering the radiation care correctly, and you you work on the uh, equipment, make sure it's calibrated and tuned right and performing correctly. So um, lots of sort of quality assurance might be a good way to put that role. And um, and I quickly um, I quickly fell into that role here but I also started expanding a lot of the services that we were offering. Mm -hmm. I'd been trained in some of the new technologies and and just approaches that we wanted to take in the department, like radio surgery. And so some of that kind of stuff we started within the first year that I was here. Um, that was a lot of fun. It was kind of scary too because you give very high doses of radiation to patients and you can't take it back. And, Mm -hmm. um, and you do it in very few sessions, sometimes just one session. So the team was very concerned, and I was sort of the young guy. And I was very inexperienced relative to the team at the time. Um, super young, uncertified. Which there's, a, there's a certification in our field, which is um, a similar certification to what physicians get. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I didn't have that, so there was just lots of... Um, Lots of concern and lots of being very careful and making sure that we um, did right for our patients. But it was an exciting time too. We got chemotherapy, which was the first machine in North Carolina, um, right in that first year. And we also got a, a big bore CT, which was um, the first of its kind to, in our region. And so there was a lot of stuff to explore and play with immediately.
0: From there, what, what other roles did you take on as, as you progressed here at Cone?
1: Well, from there, um, when I came in, we also had an open position for a lead physicist. And there was a team of great physicists at the time, but they didn't want to take that role, and they were looking to hire someone very senior Mm -hmm. um, that would kind of come in and have a vision for the program. And we just couldn't find that position. It's, It's a very hard position to fill. There are very few medical physicists. Um, in general and then finding someone that's senior and a lead and someone that wants to come to this area, it's, just, it's a hard combination to put together. So after a year the leadership team here was considering dropping the position and <laughs> um, and just converting it to a, a normal physicist position. And I really felt like we needed the position too and since no one was stepping up I wrote a letter about why I was probably the craziest choice <laughs> for them but also that I thought that I could do it mm-hmm. and I felt like um, I had a track record for leading in other environments and I hadn't led physicists before but I was very confident that um, what we needed was someone to pull the team together and make sure we made the right decision and, and find a course. And mm-hmm. So um, so I raised my hand and the leadership and the physician leadership at the time was um, very nervous about taking someone with my experience level which was way less I mean I was experienced at this point I had about a year of experience outside of my graduate education, and um, and my graduate education was very clinical, but it wasn't a real job, quote unquote, in the right. eyes of my team. Mm-hmm. So they made the unpopular decision at the time to promote me, and um, and the team was very challenged by that decision. Very challenged by it, it was it was a tough go for mm-hmm. a while there.
0: So let's talk about the decision for, for you to actually go ahead and, and write that letter and to apply for it. Because I feel for our members, especially some of the younger members, it's hard to to look at a job posting and say 10 years minimum experience, for example, and say, well, you know, I don't really have that. Should I still go for it? So what kind of went through your head during that decision process?
1: Well, you know, actually Terry Aiken said it best recently at a leadership alliance meeting he said something to the effect that the only limitations you have on your career and for yourself and the things you're accomplishing are ones that are in your head, like ones you created for yourself. And, um, and I've always been a guy that when I heard no, I'd try to change that word into not yet in my head. And we were actually just talking about this morning there's a rule that's affecting something that we think we should try to do, and it's different. And I've just said, Well, the rules are negotiable, you know, like there's times when we, you know, rules are there and job descriptions and requirements are there for a good reason. And there's times when we have to think about things beyond that. That's being innovative, which actually um, is like the top thing, the number one trait that the leadership alliance has identified for itself. We want to be innovators, which means we need to draw outside the lines, which means sometimes We're going to apply for a job that on paper we may not be qualified for. And in applying, we may get rejected. Um, That's okay, but we're going to learn something and we're going to be able to grow and we're going to be able to take a next step, and at least it shows initiative. And sometimes you might actually get the job that you're not qualified for, and I'm a good example of that.
0: And you learn from it, though, either way. Absolutely. Kind of going along the lines of innovation and and looking forward, what are the skills that you needed to obtain the, the job that you have now or just in general skills that you needed in order to become successful in any role that you've had?
1: Well, basic leadership skills were you know, the top thing for me in that role. When I got into it, I realized immediately I didn't have a good understanding of setting expectations, which is one of the most important things you do immediately with a group. Who's making a decision? How are we making that decision? Um, and just really leading people through those changes. And um, and I've failed a lot at that initially. Um, I think also really understanding and embracing, um, letting other people uh, explore their own paths and, and fail on their own. That's kind of hard for a new leader to like set someone up and kind of have a feeling that they might fail but it's like set them on a path and say hey go do this thing go try it out check in with them you know don't just let them let them fall but really give them the opportunity to succeed or not to succeed a lot of young leaders feel the need to really control that and make sure that it's successful yeah it's
0: their responsibility so to speak
1: absolutely That's... and there's certain things that we just can't fail on mm-hmm. and there's certain things that we can and i think um, it's it's very hard to learn that but that's the thing that grows people so much. Just giving them a lot of rope, a lot of um, a lot of field to play in, and when I've done that with the team, I've just found the team performs like a hundredfold my expectation. Like when they can design things and when they can do things, and they're given that opportunity, and even if they do fail, um, they're never going to make that mistake again, you know, right. so to speak. And <laughs> And they're also gonna be like, you're expert at that thing. And so you have you may not have gotten the result you wanted in the short term, but you've just grown an expert in that one area and you've solidified the program. So I think that's hard. Um, I think also something that I didn't understand well and I think leaders need to understand well is this idea of just culture, which is relatively new. And um, coming into my my leadership role where I was overseeing people that do clinical things and make mistakes, and, and really as, as the, the lead physicist, you oversee it across the department for a lot of different roles, even ones you're not supervising. And when people made mistakes, I wouldn't say that our approach was always following just culture, and it was a, it was really, a, at that time, it wasn't a concept here. And I started, after, after going through some situations where people made mistakes, and we kind of came down hard on them, I thought, you know, this doesn't feel right to me, and started learning more about just culture on my own, and I I brought it to the team um, in 2011 or 12, and we just radically changed the culture of the team and the safety, and um, so that to me was just paramount in how you approach anything, is having a just culture, and having grace for making mistakes.
0: So what is the biggest challenge you've personally faced here at Cone?
1: Um... The first really big challenge was um, right after I was promoted with my team. I mean, the team basically sat down with me and leadership together in the room and said, we're not going to be able to follow this dude. Wow. Um, and it wasn't because they thought I was a jerk or anything. It was just because I was inexperienced, and I, and I truly was. And um, and it was hard, and, and we actually uh, – not too long maybe a year after that i did a 360 which a lot of leaders do and in a 360 people rate you and and go through hundreds of details about everything you do from the way you lead meetings to how you communicate to um how you show up to you know um, just just every little aspect about you and and they're very personal and your team takes it, the people you supervise, peers around you take it, and then leadership over you and your direct supervisor take this. And when I met with the senior leader here to go over my results, my results looked good um, for every group of my group. My group was just very, very low, and and pretty pointed, like clear, even after several months. They didn't want me as the leader, they weren't having it. Mm -hmm. And the leader at the time, the senior leader said, you know, at some point, some of these people might have to get off the bus if they're not getting on board with it. If you're performing in a way that your peers and your senior leaders are very pleased with and your team's not, you know, at some point you got to do something about that. You're going to have to address that. And um, and he, it, he actually said, I don't think you'll probably make it with any of these people unless they really change their mind. But
0: that was a little eye-opening.
1: It was hard because I... I had this vision of saving everyone and making everyone think, oh, you know, this is going to work out. Bringing the team back together. together. Yeah, absolutely. And they're all great people. And um, so that was hard to think about it that way. And so just going through that process of trying to establish trust, trying to establish respect on the team, trying to to establish uh, myself as the leader of the team, and having a vision and having a direction and Mm -hmm. trying to steer people that did not want to be steered. Um, it was very challenging. It was, there was definitely dark moments. There was very discouraging moments in that. And there were, you know, moments of promise and ultimately, you know, it it would be nice to say like put my, um, put my sort of stake in the ground on, this is the one thing I did and it worked. <laughs> it's just not like that. Leadership's kind of messy. Mm-hmm. And um, I would I would say that I'm really happy that Cone Health has adopted the Compass strategy um, of quarterly meetings with employees because that's one of the things that I did pretty soon after that 360 cause, because I thought, and I just kind of self-determined that I'm going to need to have personal consistent conversations and hear what do they think I'm doing so bad Mm -hmm. I'm going to write them down and then I'm going to fix it work on it and what happened was over the quarters um, the quarterly meetings were half about the employee what I thought they could do better and half about me what they thought I could do better I would write it down very carefully and over time they would start to say things like I don't remember saying that and it was funny because they were, it was so pointed and it was actually sort of hurtful, but as a leader, you need, you need to feed, get feedback like that. But it was it, I felt, started to feel victorious over time be, because it was like, man, they don't even remember saying these things that they were very passionate about in the, in the time. And, you know, over time, um, uh, all of those people have left. At okay. the time of my transition none of those people are here. Um, one person is still here that was in about a year after, but they all left. Um, and, um, and we all learned a lot, but one of the victories that, um, we can declare coming out of that is every single one of those people, um, that have left on their own volition, uh, have reapplied for their job back here. That's Um, interesting. Yeah. Um, and it's been very competitive and, um, And it just tells me that, you know, it doesn't matter what you face as a leader coming into a new role, even if you're super intimidated by your team and you're super inexperienced compared to everybody, Mm -hmm. you can create an environment of trust and respect and and a place where I'm kind of skipping to the end, but a place where people think that was a good job because all of these people have come back and said, that was a really good job it's probably the best job i ever had and i really would like to come back with the team you know when you have an opening and right. they still still it's to this day they all still are saying please when you get the next opening i'd like to come back
0: what a good compliment yeah, yeah it is mm-hmm. it really is for you and for cone as well
1: absolutely and the team that built up around it because it was it's more than just me people have to like accept the change and then be a part of that change and And we really built that culture, Mm -hmm. which was great. But it was so hard.
0: I bet it was. And so when you were getting feedback from your employees, how did you develop yourself as a leader? Did you have a mentor in place? Did you research things online, listen to podcasts? I mean, how did you actually go about changing what needed to change and learning what needed to be learned?
1: Well, the good news is Kone Health has really great leadership Classes here, so I went through those, and they're a little bit different now than they were at the time, but same good content, and uh, and a lot of great people. I also got a coach at the time uh, to talk me through some of the more hard steps that I was encountering, things like setting expectations. You know, like we had a meeting and and we were hiring someone, and the team was really upset that the consensus vote or the majority vote wouldn't win. Mm -hmm. And I, and the person that was coaching me at the time said. You have to say upfront how that decision is going to be made. You have to say, for example, you're all going to give me advice, and I'm going to listen, and we're going to try to get consensus, and at the end of the day, I'm going to make the decision. That's how it's going to be made. So they just understand, and they're yeah, railing against that, mm-hmm. the, the not knowing. So when I started setting expectations, just like immediately that made a change that was a lot easier to manage some of these conversations. And so coaching really helped. Um, I read a lot of books um, on leadership, and um, you know those have really shaped the way that I think about leadership a lot. And I listen to podcasts. There's a lot of great ones out there. Like um, I was actually just listening to the Harvard Business Review Idea Cast coming in. They do a lot on not only ideas but management. And okay. There's just some. There's some great podcasts out there that cover topics. That, great resources.
0: Yeah. So, if someone wants to be a, become a leader today, what should they do?
1: Well, I think it's important to um, show to yourself and to your peers and to the leaders above you that you're going to be a leader no matter what your title is. You know, if that's really what you're about and that's what drives you, it's about showing up a certain way. Um, I've always said to to team members here that want to become leaders, if you want to be a leader in the future, the team around you should already think of you as a leader. Like that team should have already sort of accepted you as the informal leader. Mm -hmm. And sometimes we have informal leaders that rise up that, you know, have different types of influences. Some are positive, some are negative. Um, Certain people just can have this pull and this draw, and I call it gravity. You know, you're either pulling people to you or you're pushing them away. And I've seen people that want to be leaders really bad, desperately, that just push people away, that alienate people. It just doesn't work. And it doesn't work. And it doesn't work in a non-leadership role. And if it's not working in a non-leadership role, it's not going to magically get better once you become a leader. Mm-hmm. you really got to have that gravity when you're not a leader. And, you know, I would, I would think, I don't know exactly what was going through the heads of the people that were making the decision on me when I got promoted, but I would think that they saw some form of that gravity, enough of it to think that I was the right choice for that position, Mm -hmm. so.
0: So we talked about some of the challenges you faced here at Cone, but what has been one of the proudest moments of your career so far?
1: Well, I was really proud to take that group um, from such a, a low employee engagement score Frankly, um, one of the lowest in the health system I was sold at the time to um, one of the highest in a, in a tier one group. And we're not doing tiers anymore, but very high engagement. Um, and, and them actually scoring, I was looking at it um, recently, and they scored management as their highest item. That's, that makes me feel really good because I come here to make sure that they're well taken care of and that they feel like they've got... The support they need and so seeing the confirmation of that feels really good um, also this team as an outcome of all the great innovation and stuff that we've been doing they have produced more than 75 published articles um that's amazing in, in the past few years and and many great presentations and we've now developed two patents and and uh, working on a third and just prolific in the field and becoming very very respected in the field and it's awesome to see that as a um, another point and kind of a a show of that one of our physicists was recently interviewed for a a prestigious magazine about some of the stuff we're doing we we have this very lofty what we call moonshot of trying to treat patients from the time they get consulted to the time they get on our treatment table in 24 hours and it's almost seems impossible Mm -hmm. based on the current technology and the way the field practices. But, um, this teammate was talking about that in this magazine article and I didn't have anything to do with it. And I read it and it was a perfect, beautiful description of what we're trying to do, which is really what when we say enrollment, that's what we mean. Like other people are emotionally attached to these ideas that we're trying to give them as leaders and they make it better. They make it bigger than what we could dream. And what that person was saying in the article was like totally beautiful. And it brought a tear to my eye to see someone be able to articulate the vision so perfectly and and even better than I can envision. And it wasn't me. It was just one of my teammates. sounds um, like they were really invested in it. Absolutely. And so like that to me, it was a really proud moment to mm-hmm. see that transfer of uh, of my why into them.
0: That's wonderful. So you've talked a little bit um, about when you first started here and how there were so many changes, especially in your field. So let's talk about Cone for a minute. What what opportunities do you see available for Cone Health in the near future? And then let's expand that to what opportunities do you see for healthcare in general?
1: Well, at Cone, kind of, we've got to continue to innovate and we've, we've talked a lot about that. Um, in recent years, we've got to continue to reinvent healthcare and uh, re-evaluate the patient's perspective and their experience. I'm very, very concerned about what patients want and what they expect and what are their intrinsic needs, thoughts, desires when they walk in the door. It's amazing how many processes that we have um, and it's not cone health; it's really healthcare in general that just don't meet those. Mm-hmm. You know, um, like for example, in the oncology space, which is where I live, when a cancer patient learns they have cancer, when someone learns they have cancer, they're thinking, "Oh my gosh!" And many people, not everyone, but many people think, "I've got to get started getting treatment right away." And it's a really long path to do that. You know, in some cases, it's months. And it's, and it's hard to understand, and it just doesn't meet people's natural expectations. I really want to understand those, and, um, and, and, and I think to drive patient value, we all have to do that. Cone Health leaders have to do that. The other thing I'll say is that Cone Health, along with all healthcare organizations, we're in a time of needing really, really good leaders, like people that aren't scared of trying crazy ideas because that's the only way that we're going to transform healthcare. People that are bold. People that are willing to stick out um, challenging circumstances, which it's a challenging time right now in healthcare, um, and Cone Health is in the same position that many organizations are in, and, and we're actually in a very strong position compared to many, and we still feel very challenged by the changes that are coming at us, by the things we know that we need to do, um, by the reinvention that needs to happen. So. We're in a neat time where we need all of these great, creative, motivated, um, highly energetic leaders. There's, there's always gonna be a huge need here coming up for that.
0: So now we're gonna move into the lightning round question. So these are just quick, easy, to the point. What's something that would surprise people about your day to day?
1: My day varies a lot by the hour. So when I wake up, there's farm chores and horses and pigs and stuff <laughs> like that going on. And occasionally taking my neighbor's cows or horses or goats back to their house um, after roping them like a cowboy. um, (laughs) I usually put on my cowboy hat for that. And then uh, donning the suit, coming into work, doing lots of great stuff, but um, getting to work um, a lot on the technical side of things too and on the innovation side of things. And then going home and um, recording and doing music and uh, uh, doing a lot with um, just audio production is a lot of fun. What kind of music? Um, all kinds of music, lots of weird stuff, uh, pretty much anything. I like to push myself.
0: Okay. What is one book that you would recommend to aspiring leaders?
1: Smarter, Faster, Better is a really great book. Um, I believe it's by Stephen Duhigg, and it really has some great principles in, um, in leadership and in team management and quality and in safety, things that are very relevant to healthcare
0: what's one thing on your bucket list you hope to accomplish soon
1: i really hope that we can transform the speed at which we get patients started with treatment and and really be able to move at the speed that they want to move which is not always faster but to really understand that well and then be able to execute that which is very hard
0: If you could choose to be in any other role here at Cone, what would that be?
1: Right now, I can't imagine myself in any other role.
0: What is the best piece of advice you've received that you would like to pass on to others?
1: Mickey Foster says something quite a a bit that I really subscribe to, and that's that people eat strategy for lunch that you can come up with great strategies and the strategies are important, you need to have them. But often, I see this with our team all the time, we'll set out a timeline, we'll set out a strategy, and then when we cut people loose, because we have the right people executing, they blow it up and they make it so much better and they come up with new strategies that we never dreamed of. And so really, if you start by focusing on the people, getting the right people on the team, which I think is the most important job of a leader, and the second most important job is taking care of the people on your team, then really your strategy is just going to come to bear. Mm
0: -hmm. It's been a pleasure getting to speak with you and hear about your career story. For those listening to this interview, if you have any questions for BJ, feel free to reach out to him at the email address in the comments below. Thanks again, BJ.
1: Thanks for having me.